Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm your host, Davey Blackburn. Joining me, Emily Schiltz, my co-host. Hey. Emily, you doing well? I'm doing so well. The sun is out Man. and the weather is good. Praise Jesus. It's it's great. Come on. Great day to be alive. That's right. It's a great day to I be alive. I knew you it. Know the sun's <laughs> still shining when I close my eyes. We're back on country music. We are, yeah. Go yeah. back and listen All to right, that. Emily, I have a question for you, okay? <laughs> is there anything that you think you could be the best at in the world? Like anything, like even like the most rare Yikes. talent ever, like at all. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, that is a big question that all I can think of is a really uh, non-ladylike answer for. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, everyone. Yeah. But I can it. burp on command. hey yo. And I'm not going to do that here because that would be really gross through your headphones. Then I, then I highly <laughs> doubt that you could do it on command because if I command you to burp, then... Oh, I can do it on command. Oh, man. Oh, but I man. won't do it. Hope through your headphones. Here it is. No. Sorry. But I think, <laughs> I think maybe... You I think could be possibly you could world. be the best. I was thinking that maybe you could be if they had like a you know they have those like hot dog eating contests. I think you could. <laughs> I think you could be the best at ladybug eating contests. No, no, I will cry. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you guys who maybe didn't listen to that episode, Emily has this like death I'm fear so of ladybugs. And so I thought that was so ironic too, because like the one bug that gets into <laughs> when you guys were living with me is like the one bug that gets yes. into the crevices of my house it's are ladybugs. They're all over the place. Not great. It's like God was trying to, yeah. So you think you could potentially be a the burper, the best in the world at burping on command? That's fair. Okay. Now let me ask you this question: mm-hmm. Is is there anything that you feel like you could be the best among the best at among the people on our staff, like the I'm, seven of us that are on staff? Yep. Um. Well, originally, this is sad, but originally I said singing, and then I remembered that Derek is on That we have, like, a worship pastor that gets paid to sing. Yeah. So that's not the answer. But I'll be, you know, I mean, Derek <laughs> listens to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, and so, you know, he might not be uh, happy about this, but I would say that you you could go toe-to-toe with them. I mean, you've got a All fantastic right, voice. It's on. Here we go. We're going to have a little The Voice yeah. competition. I'll sit in the chair. I'll have the little, like, <laughs> You're going to push the button. To turn around. Yeah. Our chairs actually swivel, so we could do that. We could mock that up. Yeah, let's not, though. I think that'd be good. So potentially singing. Potentially Is there anything singing. else, maybe? Um, so when I go back to, like, my arsenal of things that I've done in my life, which is a lot because my parents used to let me try out for, like, everything, but there were a few times that I would make teams and then they would make me quit because they didn't think I was going to make it in the first place. Oh. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> a lot of confidence in you. Yes, but probably among our staff, like, cheerleading. Okay. Like, maybe some cartwheels and yes. some some kicks. Do it. <laughs> Cartwheels and kicks. Yeah, I don't think you could be with pom poms. With pom poms. Full scale yeah, pom poms. Sure. Here we go. <gasps> you know what? I just what? thought of. Um, I could play the saxophone better than anybody what? on our staff. I you know so? that for a fact. You know, I played the saxophone and I know school. it for a fact. I was fact. first chair. I could school you. I was really? too. And I was drum major. Alto sax. No or? tenor. Well, I played alto fifth through eighth grade, okay. and then marched, uh, marched alto. Freshman year, so I guess I played alto fifth through ninth okay. grade, and then I played tenor tenth through. So you went on senior. into high school to play saxophone. Yeah. yeah, not me. Yeah, yeah, 
band. They didn't, they didn't band allow life. us to be athletes and band nerds at our oh, school. Oh, see, okay, at our school, this is real funny. This is a good side note. Yeah. Um. So I cheered, and we had a lot of people in our in our like high school band who also played football and so halftime was always so fun because we'd get done with like no. football and then um cheerleaders would like have their instruments on the sidelines and no. so everyone else would be in like their band uniform and then there would just be us sporadically Come like on. in our cheerleading uniforms and football uniforms it was real fun that's crazy because they band would was cool at our school never have allowed that at our school yeah. like never ever ever and our band was you know national competing band mm-hmm. but i think maybe that's the difference between like small town indiana yeah and, like, maybe Big city. I was in like a Birmingham, Alabama, which isn't a huge city, but a bigger city, you know. Right. And so they made you segregate in high school, which mm. was so frustrating. You can't be you know? like well-rounded. I know. That is frustrating. Well-roundedness. See, I think that's a lost art. Yes. I want like my kids to play a lot of different sports and do mm-hmm. a lot of different activities and not be pigeonholed into right. this. Like, like you have to do sports or be yeah, like in the arts. I think it makes you a more holistic person right. to be well-rounded, mm-hmm. you know. my uh, Christy jokes around with me. She goes, I don't know which one you are, the coolest nerd I've ever known or the nerdiest cool kid. <laughs> that's what she keeps saying. She <laughs> always tells me. I'm like, yeah. that's a good question. I'm not sure what I am foundationally. Am I more right. of a nerd or am I more of like, you know, the jock, like, cool? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where to But the point is, is I felt like I had, you know, a lot of exposure to a lot of different types mm-hmm. of things, the arts, and I love to read and I love creativity and I love, but I also love sports, yeah. you know? Here's why I ask those questions because... It was. Inter- I don't know who I was having a conversation with the other day, but right now, today in society, teenage um, depression and anxiety rates are at an all-time high. Yeah. Right? And you serve in our student ministry, mm-hmm. and we see it when it comes to even our Nothing is Wasted ministries yeah. and just some of the despondence of teenagers. And we kind of asked the questions. We were talking about this as a staff the other day. Like, why? Like, you know, why are these teenagers and, like, eighth graders feeling so stressed out and yeah. so burdened and so overwhelmed? I remember eighth grade, to me, I mean, the the, the most stressful thing was was not that big of a deal. It may yeah. have felt like a big deal. It's like girlfriend broke up with you, right? Right, you or, really like, trying to make a specific team or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But now looking back on it, it's like, wow, those are really petty issues. Mm-hmm. But now it feels like they're carrying an even heavier weight. Yeah. And I wonder if it's because... Back when when I was growing up, we didn't have exposure to Instagram or social media or Facebook. We didn't have the ability to see what everybody else was doing all over the world. Right. We had smaller circles, smaller spheres. And so we could actually become kind of the best at something within our small spheres, right? You almost could come into your own on whatever that is. Now, obviously, there was clicks and there was bullying and there was that kind of stuff that you had to deal with back then Mm -hmm. still. But I just wonder if, like, this thing, this, like, worldwide, like, exposure of being able to see the actual best, like, even if you thought you were going to be the best saxophone player, Mm -hmm. you could get on Instagram now and you can see someone who is your age or younger who's way better than you, right? Like, has excelled so much further than you. They're like a prodigy. (laughs) Yeah. And now you are in the comparison trap. Right. And no longer do you feel confident or good about yourself because you're the best of something. Now you feel, you feel like insecure and, yeah. uh, or, or you get into the striving trap and mm-hmm. you're trying to become, I just wonder if that has contributed to the anxiety and the pressure that teenagers put on themselves yeah. nowadays. I feel like it has to, and too, like even, uh, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I wonder like what kind of pressure that puts on parents. Right. I mean, I feel like we see this a lot in, in our, so our circle or the community that we're in, but like, honestly, like 
parents' lives being run by their kids' schedules mm. because they feel like they need to like put in all this extra time for travel ball or whatever, right. you know, whatever their niche might be. But um, if if our students are feeling that comparison, like what kind of like weight or burden are parents carrying on behalf of their kid Absolutely. so that they can be the best to do whatever it is that yeah. they want to do? Absolutely. I'll never forget. So my dad's a pastor. And I've shared this with our church before, but I'll never forget my dad would not let me play on Sunday mornings. Mm. So if we had a tournament or we were supposed to travel, he told my coaches, hey, I'm sorry, Davey will meet up with you after church. Right. And there were parents all over that were saying, your kid's never going to get make it to college. He's never going to make it to the next level. He's This is going to affect him as he continues to try to excel in this sport. And I was really good at baseball. Right. And my dad, you know, I think just put a lot of confidence in the Lord to know that, okay, if God wants my son to excel at baseball, we're going to honor church. We're yep. going to honor the Lord first and let the Lord take care of his, you know, opportunities and the way he excels. And, you know, I wound up getting a full ride college scholarship to right. play baseball. It's like the Chick-fil-A Had, mentality, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like honor the Lord first and watch him expedite yeah. the the rest, watch him bless the rest, you know? And I would say my baseball career was 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 great. Now, I didn't go play D1 ball. I played in AI. Could I have? Yeah, I had some offers to play D1, decided not to. Um, had, had an offer to even get en- enlisted in being drafted, mm. you know, out of college and decided not to go that route, wanted to go to ministry route. But I, I had everything that I needed and yeah. wanted when it, come, when it came to baseball. And I believe that the foundation of that was set because my dad said, no, we're going to we're going to focus on the Lord first and we're going to let him bless the rest. We'll bring back the first to the Lord and let him bless the rest. Yeah. And, and, but this right here is a major conversation and with, with, when it comes to like, how do you excel at the things that God has put in your heart, but also make sure you're honoring the priorities <laughs> that he's put in front of you. Right. Mm-hmm. How do you manage, you know, uh, uh, achievement, career, all of these things, uh, as well as, you know, managing your home and being a good husband or a good wife and being a good parent. And how do you manage all that stuff? Yeah. And and so that's why I kinda, we kind of brought this conversation <laughs> full circle, but we have this opportunity to talk to a guest who actually is going and competing to be the best in the world. It's incredible. Right? Yeah. Now, at the moment that we're recording this, we're not sure if he made it past regionals in the in CrossFit. Fingers crossed. Right? But <laughs> hopefully he did, and he's actually on his way to the CrossFit Games, which is the top 40 men and top 40 women so out, cool. out of hundreds of thousands that start out in the competition. And he's been to the CrossFit Games before. His name's Nick Urankar. He's been He's become a good friend. He and his wife become a good friend of ours. And um, it's just really cool to hear his testimony of how he – has had to learn some of the hard ways of managing some of this stuff and building his identity and what he does rather than who he is and, and, um, who he is in Christ. And so Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a cool conversation where we talk about all things. I mean, we talk about a lot of stuff in this conversation. Mm -hmm. We talk about fitness and what that has to do with your emotional health. We talk about, um, how do you deal with disappointment, especially when you've put so much stock into this career or this thing that, you know, he's training to be an elite level athlete. And so, it's a very cool conversation. I'm excited about you hearing this interview. Yeah, and it's different than what we've done before. Yeah, it um, really is. But I'm, I'm excited for you guys to listen to it. And before we hop in, uh, just have a couple, uh, I don't know, things. Yeah, <laughs> to housekeeping talk about. items. Housekeeping, that's, that's the good. word I was thinking of. Yeah, right. housekeeping things to talk about. Um, and so we'll just start off, and uh, you guys have heard this before, but um, we absolutely love it and appreciate it. When you rate and review the podcast on Mm -hmm. whatever listening platform you use, um, 
because what that does is at one, we get to see your, your reviews and hear your stories. Love that. But yep. also um, that helps us get the word out, helps right. you help us get the word out about this podcast. So yeah. um, it's just going to appear higher in people's feeds as they're looking for maybe some new podcasts to listen to. Um, but please rate and review, share your story with us. Um, you can do that as you write a review, but also um, if there's something that you want to reach out to us personally about, mm. um, if there's something we can partner in prayer with you for, uh, if there's some type of pain that you're experiencing in your life or a friend's life um, that we can rally around together, uh, you can reach out to us at hello at resonateindy.com. Uh, and we would love to just connect to connect you to any anything that you might yeah. need uh, and yeah. help you out in any way that we can. Absolutely. And again, many of you have asked how you can, um, if you can give to support the podcast. Um, yes, absolutely. There's costs associated with this podcast. We mm-hmm. would love to have your support. Everything that you give is tax, de- tax deductible and it goes back into the ministry of nothing is wasted. And um, this ministry is continuing to grow. The community is yeah, continuing to grow. It's incredible. There's a lot of opportunities in front of us that we're really excited about, mm-hmm. things that we're trying to, that, and that we're dreaming up of, of being able to create a lot more connectivity with, with the nothing is wasted community. And so uh, we'd appreciate any gifts. One time, recurring gifts, you can go to davyblackburn.com slash give. And um, there's an actual specific drop down menu right there to give to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. So yeah. we'd love to um, we'd love to partner with you in that. And um, yeah, we're just excited about being able to continue to put this content out there to you guys. It's cool to have a community of people who are doing this. I love when I hear people saying, hey, I had a friend go through something. I hate that part because you never want to see anybody go through pain. Mm -hmm. But they say, I was able to refer the podcast to them. They've started listening to that. And so that's just our hope is that this becomes, again, hope through your headphones and that in the midst of your trial, you realize, man, God wants wants you to not just not just survive through this trial, but to thrive in it. Yeah. That's our hope is that we can point you in that direction. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and listen to your interview with All Nick. Right, let's do it. Nick, man, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, uh, there may be some folks out there that who know, who know who, you, who you are. We're kind of in crossing over circles right here. We've got a whole network of people who are walking through trial, walking through pain. And I also love to follow a lot of the circles of the CrossFitters because, I mean, it's something that I've gotten into that's really helped me in my healing process. You and I um, met through some of that process. Um, but, but for those who have no idea who you are, I mean, tell me a little bit about yourself, what you do, um, and, and a little bit about your family. Well, I'm a husband to Chelsea Rankar for almost 10 years this year. Yeah. October. All right. Yeah. So I'm planning that anniversary trip. Uh, I have uh, two little girls, uh, eight year old Jada Grace Rankar and a four year old who's actually probably running around somewhere, uh, <laughs> Atlee Adams. And uh, she's about to start kindergarten. I own two CrossFit gyms. And nice. I also have online programming that I do, so kind of a side business on that. And then my wife has her own side business, so we kind of have a lot of pieces that uh, kind of run around but yet come together all at the same time, so uh, busy. And then uh, I would say right now my number one is I'm also a competitor as far as business-wise. Yeah. So I compete, so the businesses kind of take a back seat, uh, so I have some great people around me that help to allow me to uh, focus on that. And, uh, yeah, so here I am. That's awesome. So CrossFit gym owner, two gyms, right? Kind of expanding that yeah. business, but also competing at an elite level. 
Um, you've been to the actual CrossFit Games uh, a couple times, one time. When, when were, what twice, years were those? Twice. twice. What twice. years were those? 2011 and 2015. 2011, 2015. Uh, there's a massive evolution that's happened, and I could say revolution of fitness that's happened over the past 10 years. Um, I imagine even the difference between 2011 and 2015 and just the level of elite athletes coming through there was drastically different. You're probably seeing that take place now. Um, talk to me about how you got into CrossFit. How did you get into competing? What did that look like? Well, my background is just as far as uh, sports go or being a competitor, an athlete was, I played every sport growing up, kind of like your normal kid. Right. Uh, and uh, ended up being pretty good, pretty athletic, and ended up going and playing uh, college football. Okay. Played at Indiana State. And when that ended, I didn't know what to do. So I decided the only thing left is to run. So I wasn't a runner, I was a sprinter, and I signed up for a half marathon, started just running that way for as long as I could. And then I would turn around when I got tired. <laughs> and, and eventually a buddy of mine called me up and he was like, dude, you need to stop this running thing. Like you're, that's not you. And you need to try this CrossFit stuff out. And I thought it was, you know, an aerobics class or some <laughs> weird website. I didn't know what. So I kind of brushed him off and he called me back up three months later. And he's like, dude, have you done it yet? I was like, nah, nah. And he goes, he goes, I'm coming over to your house. And he brought this video, it was called Every Second Counts from 2008, uh -huh. and it was the CrossFit Games. Yep. And he played it, and I said, this exists? And he's like, yeah, you got to do it. So I, uh, I immediately was like, all right, I want to I win that. And wow. uh, boom, went in my basement. It was like 2009, did a workout, realized I wasn't as good as I thought I was. <laughs> uh, kind of like everybody, got humbled real quick, uh, but, but fell in love with the idea and having done so much, I'd never felt like that yeah. and that there was still something left in the tank for me to, to kind of pursue. That's funny. So. Dude, that's, isn't it amazing how CrossFit can very easily humble you? You know, I, when I, when I first started, I started right at two years ago and I thought I was a pretty good athlete, you know, college baseball player. I'm like, you know, mm -hmm. used to competing in a lot of different types of things, did the same thing, ran just like you. And, um, got into CrossFit and it was immediately like this thing put me on my back every time I was going out there. <laughs> and then every once in a while you had this one workout where you're like, wow, that was actually pretty good. And you feel good about yourself because yeah. you're doing yeah. movements that you've never done before. Your body's doing things yeah. you've never done before. And you're like, wow, that's awesome. And you're like, here I go. I'm actually going to start excelling. And then bam, you're back on your back. <laughs> yeah. And it could be an hour later. You're so, you know, you're high. I'm like, yeah, I got this. I got this. And then an hour later you try something new and you realize like, yeah, no, I'm maybe, yeah. maybe not. That's amazing. <laughs> it's a, it is amazing. So what year was that then that you started? It would have been in 2008, 2009? That was 2009. Okay, 2009, 2009 that you ended up getting right, started. That was literally about one month before the birth of my first child. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's one thing growing up. Uh, I had a lot of people tell me that I couldn't do things. Yeah. And especially, you know, you get married. Oh, you're gonna, you know, I've always worked out. Uh, and I was getting ready to get married. My dad told me. I'm not really close with my dad, but uh, we obviously talk. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, you know, you're not going to be able to work out anymore. And I was like, dad, I'm just getting married. And he's <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, yeah, but now you, you can't work out. And I was like, oh, well, basically, you know, I'm going to continue now for sure. Right. Absolutely. Thought, you told you know, me I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, it. was getting ready to buy a house. He's like, you know, you can't work out now. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, having that first child, he's like, you know, you're not going to be able to work out. And I think I remember when I opened up first business like seven years ago six years ago he finally looked at me and he's like 
never mind. (laughs) He's like, you're going to keep doing this. Like, you're not stopping. Well, your wife, Chelsea, she's a workout junkie too. Has she always been that way as as well? No, and I I wouldn't call her a workout junkie as much as she is just wanting to be healthy. Gotcha. Um, So she didn't work out when I met her. Uh, Kind of a off-the-record story is you can keep it on the record, though she knows. (laughs) Uh, When I met her, I said I would – this is in college, you know. I met her and I said I'd date her if she lost twenty or thirty pounds. Nuh-uh. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I, I I we ended up going on a date. We started to to date, and I fell for her. Wow. And it and it didn't matter. And yeah. that summer, she asked me if I'd start training her, and that was when her fitness journey kind of started. Okay. Was in college. Very cool. And she lost like twenty pounds that summer, and boom. Yeah, I mean she's she's in great shape now. I mean she does. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Worked out alongside you guys. A couple times, she's it's fantastic. So you're yeah. telling me she didn't even. We'll we'll revisit this, but she did not work out at all. That was not something that was part of her mo. Never. People don't know. Like she posted a picture not long ago of her, and people are like, "Wow, you've never, you haven't always been like that." And mm. she's like, "Oh, not till you know, 21, 22 is when she really kind of hit it." Wow. So. Is there an element at which that you guys are like you're doing this together, right? Like side by side, that that really also helps to you know, be able to create the space for you to pursue some of these dreams? I mean, it seems like you guys are both, I mean, she operates a lot of the stuff with the gym as well. She's right there hands on with you. Um, is, 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 has that helped that evolution process that has kind of dispelled the, the misnomer that your dad said, where he's like, well, now you can't work out anymore. Now you can't work out. But the fact that you guys are kind of doing all this together has really helped. Yes. And no, okay. yes, because it's, uh, it's given us a lot of outlets and obviously a platform and, uh, it's allowed us to work together. It's allowed yeah. us time. Um, but that, that's not the case in the beginning. Obviously there's a, a big backstory to that, but what the hardest part for her is that everyone looks at it as me. Mm. So this is me and she's kind of piggybacking or at least she feels that way. Right. So she, she's recently found her own. Um, and I think we're in the same realm, but we're so different that she needs and she has her thing that is separate from me. Gotcha. Um, even though it might be related and you look at it and you're like, oh, it's the same, it's, but it's totally different. Yeah. And I think that having her own voice in that is huge. And, yeah. and I think there's a struggle when, you know, a power struggle sometimes too, where you, you, you know, maybe you're both, you both want something, but it's looked at as from others as like, well, it's, it's this one's and you're just there. Yeah. And, and that may not be the truth. But it feels that way when it's a constant pressure put on you. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I think that's super insightful because, you know, I feel the same way now with Christy, with with my new wife, that, like, she's got, you know, these dreams and ambitions her, herself. And if we look at it at face value, sometimes we could think that those two things, my dreams, her dreams, would be at odds. But we recognize the fact that God brought us together with these unique, distinct gifts and these unique dreams and he's like actually creating this really beautiful interplay of the two where we're allowed to do it together. We're allowed to kind of operate side by side, but at the same time, we're also um, staying in our own unique space within it. And, it. and we're becoming our own our own person within that too. And I think that's the a cool thing about the two becoming one, right, when you're in marriage, but also being able to like, um, you know, still keep your own identity, your own personhood within that as well. And you yeah. guys have found a cool way of doing that alongside that like continues to help your family financially, but also helps your family just stay as a good family unit. I mean, one of the things I love about 
following your Instagram and seeing stuff, and I've told you this before, is just watching you with your girls and watching you with your family, and you're using this platform in a really unique way. Let me ask you about that for a second, because you, you said the word platform. You know, your platform has developed and evolved over the course of your involvement in CrossFit. How do you view your platform? What is that, what, what is that, what is that opportunity for you? What do you guys, when you think about all the people that kind of follow you, what does that do in regards to like your, hey, this is, we recognize there is a platform, but what, what do we do with that, you know? That's a good question because I think that, uh, I think that that's something I struggle with is I really don't know yet. I think mm. that that's still, still building. Um, I'm not good at, in my opinion, I'm not good at the social media thing. And I, yeah. and I, and I honestly don't care a ton. Um, and I don't, and I don't believe that I have to necessarily, right, right. but I think, uh, there's a lot that I can do with it that I'm not, then there's also a lot that I am. Uh, it, it's really trying to figure out, uh, what is it going to, what does it mean and what do I want to get across for me? And that's still being, being developed because I know that there are things that people want and then yep. there's things that I want to show. Um, right. and in the beginning, in the beginning, I didn't want to show my kids. Yeah. I didn't want to show my family. I was worried, you know, there's some crazy people out yeah, there and I didn't right. want everyone to know where they are. And recently I've been like, you know what, this is, we are so interconnected and everyone is now. And I'm like, you know what? People want to see that. And if they don't want to see it, it's who I am. Yeah. So I've been bringing that out actually more and more recently, uh, just to give an idea of that. But as far as a platform goes, it's, 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 a it's kind of like, you know, a resume it's ever, ever evolving, ever yeah. changing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm, I'm still working on that. I, I, it could be amazing, um, but in truth, it's kind of like you said, it's just to allow people that you don't see all the time to be able to get a glimpse of you. Right. But it's just a glimpse. Um, yeah. There's depth that doesn't come out. And, you know, my biggest thing is to just be inclusive with everybody. I don't, I don't, you know, I want people to be able to walk in or see me and know that it's just me. Yeah. And they're going to get, they're going to get that no matter whether it's online or whether it's in my house or whether it's in my gym or just out on the street. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I used to, when I was playing college ball, I used to pray that God would give me enough success that I had influence with the guys on the team, but not so much that it would get to my head, you know, and it would blow up. It's kind of like this really weird tension where it's like, you know, with, with a platform, oftentimes it can come with, with some corruption or some pride, but then, at the same time, it has the potential of having a lot of influence, you know, to mm-hmm. do some really good things in, in the world and to share the love of Christ with a lot of people. And so I think I always celebrate when I see someone like yourself um, that God's put on a level of success in whatever field they're in because you guys have such a, a, a you have this thing in your hand that you can use in, to wield influence. Um, to further the kingdom and stuff. And so, you know, as you're like kind of figuring that and evolving that, I'm praying over here, you know, I'm praying for you as you go to Nashville and complete, compete in the regionals. I'm praying for like, man, God, keep giving Nick success so that he can continue to share your love with other people and, and expose people to that, you know. And I know it's a, especially in the circles that you're in, you always weigh that whole you know, how much, how overt am I am with my faith? Cause I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to push people away. I don't want to, you know, like, how do I be Jesus in this place of like, you know, being around the people who, 
and, and, and gaining influence with people without compromising my ethics or my morals, but at the same time, them seeing Jesus and, you know, me being able to take the opportunities to speak that. I know that that's got to be a constant battle for you it's, as well. It's, it's very hard. It, I mean, especially from the beginning, I mean, because that's the, I think that's the tough part people don't realize. They all want the success, but what do you do on your way up? Yeah. So you start with zero, like right. followers, likes, whatever. Right. And, you know, that, if that number dings up quick, it just becomes this pacer, right? Like, yeah. I got to keep outpacing myself. Yeah. I got to keep doing these things. Like, I have to... You know, it, it turned into, I remember I was like, I got to make one post every day because that's what people want. One post every day. And it just turned into how can I keep getting more likes, more mm-hmm. this, more that. And uh, it wasn't, a, again, I'm not good at it, but it, it was that for a little while in the beginning when I was really growing quickly. Yeah. And I had to like step back and just stop and be like, it's, it's not about the 10,000 people that just clicked on that. Mm-hmm. Like each one, there's something. And sometimes... You know, we just want those numbers to just keep going up, especially yeah. in this where we live right now. And I'm I'm past that now, but I know, like you said, uh, the better that I do, the more influence I have, and then I can actually really figure out how to use it properly. Yeah. Um, that's and good. that's a yeah, and that's that's that 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 balance. Yeah, that's awesome. So you even mentioned something about you know, with social media and platforms, people see the kind of the highs oftentimes. They see what you're putting out there, but they don't see, there's a lot deeper. There's a lot more stories of struggle that take place behind the scenes. Talk to me a little bit about some of the highs and lows that you've encountered and experienced in your life as a competitor, as a gym owner, as a, you know, as a a husband, as a dad, and trying to juggle all of those things from 2009 up until today where you're sitting, you know, uh, in, in a couple weeks of this recording, you're going to be going to, to regionals. Oh man, that's, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot. Uh, I would say, you know, from starting, it was, you know, I didn't want to say I was young, immature in this sport and trying to figure out where I can go with it. Mm-hmm. And I know the first year that I realized, okay, I can do pretty well was that 2011. And actually the open is how you qualify to regionals. Right. And it was the first year of the Open in 2011. And actually the week before I was at the Arnold Classic and I, there's a workout called Fran that <laughs> I had I had done, I had done maybe a couple weeks prior in about two minutes and 10 seconds, which if anybody knows that, that's pretty quick, lightning. especially back then. Yeah. Yeah. And I told my wife I could do that and they were doing Fran and they were gonna, Reebok was gonna sponsor an athlete. Okay. And the fastest Fran time essentially was gonna be that deciding factor. So I'm like, I'm gonna win it. Well, some stuff ended up happening and I ended up not. I ended up doing actually really poorly mm. uh, due to some stuff that happened the day before. So my wife came up and she was like, I don't believe you. I don't think you can do that. And I was like, uh, I'm going to prove you wrong. So the very next week on Saturday, the day before the open started, we went and I started to try to prove her wrong. We started going and on the last pull up, and it ends with nine pull ups, I fell off the pull up bar and broke my collarbone. What? <laughs> And oh uh, it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. No, it's a lot not. Of, yeah, it's on YouTube. <laughs> it's called it's called the unfinished Fran. Yes. Uh, so I broke my collarbone and basically was, you know, done. Right. Like wow. the, the open starts in a day. Well, they messed up that year and they actually extended it a week. So I did one of the workouts with one arm, and I Seriously? continued to go through the entire open and I qualified for regionals and then I made the CrossFit Games. Seriously. Yeah. With so, essentially one arm. With one arm, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's one of those like 
lows to high, but it, it didn't really have a, as much meaning as I thought. So at that point, the problem is, is that now I've made the games yeah, and I'm working full time mm-hmm. and I'm working a lot and I've got a wife who's, you know, staying or yeah, she was staying at home with our child. Right. And we were arguing all the time mm. because I would wake up at 4 a.m. I'd go to the gym. I'd come home. I'd go to work. She'd go to work. Then we'd both come home or I'd come home and she'd be doing, you know, maybe she was shopping. Right. And I'd come home and I'd need to work out. So I'd go home in the basement. I'd work out till 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And that's all that I wanted to do was train uh, to get better. And mm. she was alone you know, middle of the day. So she'd go shopping. So she's spending Mm. and I'm working out and working. And next thing you know, it's, you know, we're having these conversations every month of like me on the stairs. Like, do you just want me to quit? Do you want me to stop? Like, what do you, what, what do you want me to do? You know, me trying to like entice her into like, yeah, you make me stop this thing that I love. And you know, what are you going to do? So we we would have that all the time to the point where finally she kind of got sick of, Stay. I don't want to say sick. That's the wrong word. Right. She, she was staying home with. Well, she was staying with home. Them. Yeah. Well, she was frustrated, and I was frustrated. But eventually, we realized that she kind of needed to go and find her own thing. Mm. So she went and actually got a job where she was making the exact same amount of money I was. <laughs> and I was like, I can open up my gym. Yeah. So essentially, we flip flopped. Well, the problem is, is now she's working full time. <laughs> I'm opening up a gym, which I have to be there from five a.m. till you know eight thirty at night, and now. I'm free in the middle of the day. Yeah, She's working in the middle of the day. So it's the same exact thing we had reversed. And we just had so many, it was probably two or three years of just constant where we were challenged Yeah, a lot, a lot. And I mean, we came out, we're so strong for it, but those two first two years opening the gym were probably the hardest two years of my life. Hmm. What were some things that looking back on it now that really, allowed you or enabled you to emerge from that rather than just getting like stuck in that, you know, what were some things you and Chelsea had to work through? What was the, what was some of the deciding factors there? Balance, prioritizing, um, really, uh, I mean, communication, you know, so many things that you have or you think are easy when you first get together that you realize are actually hard when you do life. Yeah. And, and especially when you do life separate, because essentially it was, you know, I was, working for five hours in the morning. And then I, if I was done, she was working for eight hours and then I was working for four hours. And we literally, we even seldom crossed paths. So how do you stay in communication with somebody that you're not talking with? And then how do you have balance between life, work, family, faith, you know, uh, anything you can possibly think of, like, how do you do that when you're so engulfed in one thing that you can't even see everything else? So it was, it, it's one of those where we've talked a lot in the now is there are, there've been points in our lives where I've given 90% and mm. she's been able to give 10, but then it's been flipped where she's had to give 90 and I've had to give 10 mm. because that's just where we are. And it's not always 50, 50, right? It can't be always 50, 50. I mean, there are times when she's gone for four days now and I'm Mr. Dad, Yeah. but there were times where I was gone for a week and yeah. she was mom. Right. And, you know, you have those periods and sometimes it's not, it's not necessarily a week or four days. It might be two years. Mm. It might be three years where you're taking in more than you can handle. And I think where we are now, especially is we can give that other person what they need 
um, even though they're taking in the brunt. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's just a battle. And sometimes each person might have to step up and fight a little longer than the other one for a while. Yeah. And, but you got to keep ammoing them up and uh, be there for them and, you know, do what's necessary as a spouse. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we, we talk a lot about, you know, the, the idea of it being a hundred hundred, you know, if both of you trying to put in a hundred percent, because then there's going to be in those seasons where you're right, maybe where the, the responsibility falls a lot more on the other person, they're coming at it from the, a much, you know, the key to marriage is, a, is selflessness, right? Mm-hmm. You can't make marriage work if you're selfish, you put two selfish people together and it's just recipe for disaster. And so yeah. you have to, and the hardest thing, and you know, I'm even discovering this right now again for the second time is like learning how to how to pull back my selfish agendas and come at and approach this thing from a 100% giving spirit that just says, okay, you know what? This isn't about me or my agenda or my preferences, even though I just lived two years as a single dad and kind of a bachelor, you know, I'm, now I've got to adjust and make transition and realize, no, I've got to be, I've got to take into cons- someone else's needs and consideration before my own, mm-hmm. right? Which is the yeah. hardest thing to do as a human being, but it's the only yeah. thing that's going to make these kinds of situations work. And you'll come out thriving. You know, it's not oh, that gosh, you're yeah. just surviving this thing, but you're coming out thriving in this, which is, I think, where I'm sure that's where Jesus wants us to be. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. Hey, I just wanted to take a second and interrupt this interview to tell you about Thriving in Trial, a Nothing is Wasted handbook that I've just released in ebook format. Over the last year of interviewing people on this podcast who have walked through hardship and adversity, I've noticed 10 consistent themes, 10 common denominators, if you will, that have helped people find healing in their pain. I wrote my book, Nothing is Wasted, as a memoir narrating the journey of healing God took me on after my wife, Amanda, was killed in November of 2015. While we're waiting for that book to be released, I wanted to distribute some practical content that could act as a companion to Nothing is Wasted, the book. That's why I wrote Thriving in Trial, to give you practical tools to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. Jump over to DaveyBlackburn.com to download your copy of Thriving in Trial, a Nothing is Wasted handbook. Man, that's crazy. So lots of highs and lows within this. And just so the listener knows, you know, if you're not familiar with the CrossFit Games, you know, the CrossFit Games takes place in August. And like Nick said, um, the, the starting point for that is the open season, which takes place the end of February, early March. And you'll have mm-hmm. about, th- I think this year is close to 300,000 pe- men, right? I think that we're competing. Yeah, something like that. 300,000 yeah. men and maybe o- close to that women uh, that were entering the open. I, you know, almost everybody who does, who, who's a part of an affiliate box, they enter the open. You just kind of see where you measure up against everybody. Yep. And yep. so 300,000, and they boil it all down to the top 40 men right? And top 40 yep. women. So you're in talking world, about, yeah. yeah, in the world. So you're talking about 0.01%, the top 0.01% of CrossFit competitors. And so the dis- the disparity between someone like Nick and someone like myself, who's just kind of a, woo, just like a backyard CrossFitter, <laughs> right? Just trying to do it and sh- is just gigantic, you know? So I need you to understand that when we're talking about the pressure 
of, you know, family and faith and, and owning a business and all this stuff. This is not like, oh, that's cute, owning a business, and that's cute, competing in a sport. CrossFit has developed and evolved into this thing that is right up there with their, your top-level sports, and it is so much pressure that is applied to a person's life and family to try to make it to those games and make it to that elite level. And so and I just wanted to give some context for that because it's, you know, back when CrossFit started, it was like this, oh, that's cute, you know. Now yeah, it's this yeah. this full-fledged, I mean, you know, um, ESPN full-scale sport. I mean, this thing is incredible. And yeah. um, and the elite-level athletes are really putting in the work to, to be able to get there. Um, so, so, Nick, I want to talk a little bit about you've experienced some highs and some lows, but there's been probably the past couple of years some uh, some major disappointment that you've experienced when it comes to competing in the sport. You made you made the games in 2014, right? Is that right? 15. 15, 15 right? Time, okay, yeah. so 15 yeah. was the last time, which if you go watch the not the Netflix documentary from the 2015 games, you you get a shout out for like just cruising through I think squat clean ladder or something like that. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, Snatch yeah, ladder snatches. maybe. Snatch yeah. ladder. And so you hear Nick, I was watching it with Christy the other day and I was like, "Listen, this is the part. Here's Nick. Oh, there he is. Look at that, right? So you're on the yeah. documentary. It's a really cool thing to see that. But since 2015, you've you've tried to go back to the games. You haven't been able to go back to the games last year you felt like you were at the best place of your career and then had mm-hmm. some disappointment. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I definitely felt like I was uh, in a great place last year. And then uh, about a week before, so we have regionals, you know, roughly end of May. And about a week before uh, I was going out to Nashville, I had a little pain in my chest. Don't even know what it was from. Uh, obviously, the regional competition stressful physically and mentally mm-hmm. and I think it kind of took a toll on my shoulder and uh, my pec got strained uh, so I basically didn't do anything for a week leading up to the competition got there uh, the first event I was able to get through and got 13th which was actually pretty I was pretty happy about that because yeah. knowing the second event uh, I was going to most likely win the problem was is that had all to do with my pec mm. so I'd been in the back area practicing was able to do some dips because it was ring dips and you had to take a dumbbell and do dumbbell snatches, which is from the ground overhead. And I basically walked out, pumped, like I'm going to do this. My pec's great. We had to do a demo. So they gave us a two minute call. We had to jump up on the rings and just show that we could have lockout and where our standards were. Right. Um, and I basically jumped up onto the rings and my pec went just holding myself up. Just it just, just went right. Strained. Down. Yeah. I came, I came right down and I looked at my judge and I was like, I think, I just tore my pec and they were like, get off the floor. I was like, I, I was like, I'm not leaving the floor. You're not, I'm not getting off this floor. They're right. like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, I, I really don't know, but I'm not leaving. And next thing you know, the two minutes is up, buzzer goes off and I just took off. Wow. And I ran, I ran out there. Like it was just instinct. I knew that I could do the snatches, yep. ran back to the rings, jumped up, did one, came right back down and I knew it was over. Yeah. So the end, and uh, you had to do at least 21 of them to move on in the competition. So uh, they withdrew me like wow. right then. Man, I'm, I was watching it. I was on vacation. I remember watching it live. And, you know, I'm, I'm over there pulling for you. I'm like, come on, Nick, come on. And then all of a sudden I see you get off the rings. And I'm like, what's, hold on, what's going on? Like, I was over there thinking there was a malfunction with the equipment. You kept, like, pointing up there. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like surely this is going to remedy it. They're going to get this yeah. taken care of. There's a malfunction. He's going to get into another heat, you know. 
But man, I remember just feeling so much disappointment for you because I've been in the gym. I've seen how hard you train. I mean, you're training four and five times a day for four to, well, for five to six days a week, right? I mean, you are giving seven hours a day. yeah, Yeah. You're giving your entire year is built around literally. And it comes down to this one workout where you, you get hurt. You know, it's not like you didn't, it's like you didn't even get a chance to perform. You didn't even get a chance to show how hard you had trained and you're, you're, you're hurt. Talk to me about just the emotions there, your, the disappointment that you felt. What, what was that like? I mean, right after it happened, I remember I walked out the floor and I just started sobbing. Like, you know, you, you put so much work into it and, you know, you, you think what if, or, you know, obviously the normal things that happen, but once I kind of walked away got with myself, I realized that there's, there's definitely got to be a plan. Mm. You know, I don't know what that is. And I, it, it may not be a plan that I want right now. Um, and it may not be one that I see for a while, but I know that God's got a plan and that something is going to come from this. And it may just be where I grow. Mm. Um, I didn't know, but I knew that, you know, everything happens and it doesn't mean that, Oh, it was, it, it was done to me for this. It was like, no, that was, that was, not necessarily supposed to happen in the way that it happened, but things happen and stuff comes from it. Mm. Um, so I knew that I, ca- I couldn't dwell, that I had to just kind of sit back, reflect, um, and see. And I know I had a lot of people reach out, say some really nice things, and you know try to help me get through it. And it wasn't something I had to get through. I just I knew that there was more. Yeah, yeah, that like. I mean, you know, this sounds cliche. You're on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, but they're like, this wasn't going to be wasted, right? There was going to be something that comes yeah. out of this. How how can you look back now over the past year? I mean, it was almost a year ago yep. that this happened. And when this releases, I think it'll probably be post-regional. So we're still, right now, we're not yeah. sure where this is going to be. Hopefully, you're going to be ready to go to Madison yeah. on your way to the games when this exactly. thing releases. But, um, you know, if you look back over the course of this year, can you see some evidence of the fact that this actually has been a benefit to you in any way, or it's helped you in any way over this year, the injury oh, that you incurred? Oh, oh yeah. How totally. so? Like, so I've, I've realized so after 2015, I kind of got that, okay, I can do this again mentality. And I went into 2016 and I bombed, bombed mm. 2016, came back and really started to work on the things that I needed to work on. Uh, Got a lot better 2017, felt like I was going to make it. Um, and what I've realized, though, now at this point in this year is that th- the plan wasn't for last year. It, it's been a two-year plan. Hmm. And I've realized I've had so much fun hmm. this year and stepping back and realizing that it isn't about that weekend. Hmm. It's, not, it, it's not about regionals. Like, you know, it, and in the grand scheme of that, that was not a big issue. It was, it was a, a little peck strain. Yeah. You know, yeah, granted, I couldn't do reach, I couldn't compete, but I still trained all year and I get to train all year and I get to go on from it. So this two years from 2016, that was a low Mm. looking back. Like I actually had the opportunity to do everything I could and I didn't. Mm. And then in 2017, when I did everything I had to do, I was, that opportunity got taken away. Wow. And now I'm given another opportunity to be out there, but realistically, like I'm so happy and so excited to have qualified. And obviously making it to the games is, is the goal. Right. But, but again, I look back, this last year was awesome. Mm. And these two years are gonna showcase 
2016 that 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 was not me yeah. or it was me but i've grown so much from it so i'm more excited to look and say not oh wow i was out 2017 but like you didn't get to see me since 2016 mm. that's and good this is going to be really cool to let people see the athlete i've evolved into yeah yeah come on you can you could preach that dude it's not about the destination it's yeah. about the journey right I mean, I think there's a level of which, you know, you said it, you, you, this past year, you've enjoyed this so much. It's like you, the love is back in it for you because you're realizing what really is important in life. And the fact that you're, I, I see that over the, just, just kind of being around you a little bit. I see this, this new love, this new energy toward just life in general. Um, I didn't see you respond the way a lot of people would have and kind of give up or be bitter or be frustrated by it. You know, I saw you go, no, I'm going to put my hand to the plow. There's next year. I'm going to work mm-hmm. even harder. I'm going to make sure I'm ready and prepared, but I'm going to enjoy the process. Yeah, I think that's where we forget sometimes what we forget to do in, in any field. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, competing at an elite level athlete or if it's in your career or if it's in your marriage or if it's like raising kids, we forget to enjoy the process. We keep looking for this destination that we think is going to give us satisfaction it's like, no, yeah. man, it's, it's the process. It's the growth. It's the evolution of who we are that really becomes the satisfaction. It's finding our identity in Christ and our joy in him, you know? Yeah, and when you enjoy the process, everything else is more enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah, it might be, you know, singular, but it, it trickles to everything. Right. So everything is better. Yeah. You know, if you're stressing about what you're having to do, you're going to stress about everything else. Mm. So it's 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 definitely trickled down to every aspect of my life. That's cool. That's cool. Because you do have a much more holistic life than just competing as an athlete, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're a business owner. You're a husband. You're a father. You're you're a follower of Jesus. You're trying to, you're a much more holistic person than, you know. Yeah. I don't, I used to train at home. I don't, like when I'm home, I'm home. I'm a dad. I'm a father. You know, I'm a husband. I'm not, you know, if people really saw me day to day and you just took the gym out, you'd be like, dang, you literally like just hang. Yeah. You just, right. You know, like you just, you have fun. Right. Like that's, you know, like that's great. People look at me as a competitor and I'm, I'm an athlete cause I love it. Yeah. I compete because I love it. I'm not, I'm not that because I have to be. Mm. Yeah. Like that's a choice. That's good. You know, I have to be a dad. I have to be a father. And I love those things. And those are my number ones. Right. There's only, you know, there's only one person that can be a husband at Chelsea. Yes, that's exactly. you. There's a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, 300,000 people try to win the games every year. Yeah. <laughs> right. 300,000 yeah. men. A lot of people, a lot of men can do that, but man, only one person can be a father to your daughters. Exactly. That's great, exactly. man. That's great. All right. So the first time that I came into your CrossFit box, which for the listener who's not familiar with CrossFit, the gym is called the box. I don't know why. I don't know. Do you know where that came from? I don't know. What is that? Square. Cause it's just a box. It's just like <laughs> an empty shell. <laughs> you just put a bunch yeah. of equipment in there. Go. Yeah. yeah. You put some rubber, rubber down and there you stuff. go. <laughs> So I came in and I, you know, remember working out with you. And first of all, every time I go work out with Nick, I always kind of dread it because I know he's going to keep me in there for about three and a half hours and literally break down all my technique and tell me how terrible my technique is. But I appreciate it. I appreciate having a, a coach that kind of press into me on that. Um, and I'm not going to be able to walk out of the gym. I know that. I'm going to have to like be wheeled out every time I'm up there. But one of the things that I said to you was that CrossFit has actually contributed a ton to my healing from losing Amanda. And we started having some dialogue about that, about how your emotional health is so tied to your physical health. Um, talk to me a little bit about that because you're not only an elite level athlete, which 
most of us are not ever going to be at the place that you're at as an athlete, but you're also interacting with a lot of people who are just trying to get fit for one reason or another from all levels, you know? Um, mm -hmm. You've got people who are literally coming off the couch, like you said, your wife early on in your relationship, never having fitness as a priority whatsoever, but they're trying to help to, they're trying to better themselves. Um, what are you seeing as far as the attachment or the parallels between physical health and emotional health as you're helping these folks? I think we all have, you know, mental health issues in, in some form or fashion. Obviously others have it, uh, more you know, it's it's harder to deal mm -hmm. with for some and and obviously the issues that we have and so when everybody comes into the gym i think everybody breaks down a little bit mm. um and then you can find a little bit of the depth so it's a different place because we're all equal you know yeah. there's no title there's no nothing so everybody comes in the weight's the same you know the, the time is the same everything is the same there's no status uh, there's no mo money, you know, money can't buy you right. anything in there. You're not right. going to just lift 500 pounds cause you paid $500. Mm. So I think that seeing that you really get to see people, um, be just be, mm -hmm. um, and it makes opening up conversations. Uh, because one thing that I talk a lot about with, especially with, with members and with just with people is, you know, CrossFit becomes what people call an addiction, mm. right? They're like, oh, it's a cult. Yeah. You, know, you, get, you get addicted in there. But, it's, but for most, it's a positive addiction. Yeah. You know, and I, and I kind of joke with people that I have an addictive personality. Like, I'll find something and I just go. Yeah. Um, but we call that a hobby. Mm -hmm. So this becomes somebody's hobby. And I know a lot of people that have turned from drugs, mm. uh, some form of abuse. Um, I've got people pretty much you name it and they're in there and it's it is something that takes them away from that for yeah. just a little bit um and allows to just be with other people there's to be with themselves in a state of that i call it like that primal state where mm. when you're in the middle of a workout and, and very seldom do people actually train this way and that's what's so cool about crossfit is it takes you to a place where <laughs> all you want is food yeah water like a place to lay down, like to just to just literally go back into that little cave, take a nap, have a drink, have some food, and nothing else matters. Your mortgage payment, yeah. your your all the things that as soon as you walk out of the building come back into play in that moment, they don't matter as much. Right, right. And to be able to pull yourself and realize, like, man, if I can do that, what can I do then to to make it to where it's like that all the time, where I can. I can figure out what is it that I need to put my time into. Yeah. You know, do I need to be worrying about it? Or do I need to be doing something or can I just let it go? Mm. And I think so many people, when you talk to, especially with something like this is they realize they can let go of a little bit more. Mm. Um, and, and it's hard because like I consider myself 50%, you know, coach 50% uh, psychologist or, <laughs> or therapist. Yeah, exactly. Cause you get to talk to people and you get to know people and it's not that you're necessarily helping them. They're helping themselves. They're just, yeah talking, you know, right. especially when they're tired, you don't even know what you're saying sometimes <laughs> and, and you're letting everything out. Yeah. Yeah. You do kind of get the, the rawness of, of people yeah. when, you, when you see them in those environments. And, and two, you're right. It, it kind of like refocuses it. You know, one of the things that even just like researching it, there's so many physiological, the, the physiological stimulus of a workout like CrossFit contributes to emotional health for health for a lot of reasons. I think one is the endorphins, right? Endorphins are an mm -hmm. active agent that is going to 
help to prevent anxiety, depress, depression, helps to relieve stress. So even just that, releasing those endorphins regularly can become a stimulus that you can get, you're right, like an addiction or a high to, but it's a very good high because it's telling you to, okay, release that stuff that you're, you're, you're carrying in from the office. I go every just about every day after I get off work, right? And it's like mm-hmm. that break for me to carry all the stress from the office, all the stress from ministry into this one place, just get after a workout, kill myself in it, right? Like be laid out on the floor with the CrossFit sweat angel that I'm forming yeah, exactly. on the, on the yeah. ground, just like, yeah. <gasps> I need to just find this you know, place by the end of the workout where I'm not feeling the pain. But it reboots my system. Like it completely, and it, and it takes away the stress. And... Um, you know, and I it, like I like want that badly for people, especially people who are walking through trial or walking through crisis, um, because what I started to realize is that I felt so out of control of my life when Amanda passed away. But stepping into mm-hmm. an environment like CrossFit that teaches you muscular um, movements and mobility and like body control, it like helps to put things like it, it reframes for you what what you're in control of again right? When I did, for the first time, when I did a muscle up, it was like, oh my gosh, like, I didn't know my body could do that. Now I'm starting to feel more empowered, starting to feel more in control, starting to feel like I have more of a control of my future, control of um, of how I respond to things. I don't necessarily have control over what happens to me, but I have control over how I respond to it, that I'm not like just a victim completely out of control, right? Mm-hmm. Um, psychologists call it a locus of control, having a, the ability to to respond to whatever happens to you with this sense of empowered control. And I think CrossFit really helps to do that because you're learning movements and you're having to control your body in ways you've never controlled your body, you know? Yeah, and it builds so much confidence. Right. I think, you know, one of the things when I talk to new people when they come in is that I want – two things from you. One, I want you to be able to trust me, which means I need to be able to trust you. Mm. But second is that I want you to believe you can do something without me having to tell you you can. So if you speak up and you say, hey, I think I'm ready for this, that means you've thought about it, you visualized it, and you believe you can. Wow. So then if I say, okay, show me, I know that you are ready. Hmm. Rather than me telling you you can do it and you're, you know, maybe you're questioning it, like the, the confidence piece is huge because if you speak up, then I know you've thought about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that for people, like, all of a sudden you realize when you have a voice sometimes. Right. And uh, it, it's really cool to hear people and to see people when you realize, like, wow, I didn't know you had that in you. Yeah, that's exactly you know? right. And, 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 then, and then it just, it just seeps out of them after. Absolutely. And that's what's so beautiful about the arrangement of CrossFit is that you do kind of have some personal coaching as opposed to just going to like the Globo gym, you know, LA mm-hmm. fitness or whatever it is. There's nothing wrong with that. I think anybody who's pursuing no. fitness is a good thing, but I love the Correct. element of having a personal coach because I think a coach can pull out of you more than what you thought was in you. And you start realizing mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, like I didn't realize that was in me. I didn't realize I could do that. And you do begin to have this again, the sense of empowerment, and you start going, you start asking the question, well, what else can I do? What else can I yeah. accomplish? What else am I actually in control over? I think the key to stress or managing stress is to recognize what you're in control over and what you're not. And what you can't control in your life, you just trust the Lord with. And what you can control, yes. you take control, right? <laughs> That's the key yeah. to, to stress. I mean, Jesus in Matthew 6, he goes, hey, let me tell you the key to worry. You ready? Don't worry. You know? Because yeah. the things that are out of your control, they're out of your control. But the things that are yeah. in your control, I've called you to go ahead and, 
in control. And I think that fitness is one of those aspects. It's not the only thing, but it's one of those aspects that helps you realize, wait, I do have some control over the outcome of, you know, my, my body, my fitness, my, my health, all of that. It doesn't have to be CrossFit, Nick, like really a lot of just fitness in general, you know, how would you talk to somebody who would say, Hey, CrossFit isn't, CrossFit isn't my thing. I don't know if I could do that level of intensity. I'm sure you've got some success stories of people who are coming off the couch and yet they're seeing themselves, you know, in a, in a better place from a fitness standpoint than, than they ever thought before in their life. How would you yeah. advise somebody when it comes to getting started? I mean, I do, I use a lot of stories or, you know, analogies or to try to find out ways to really connect with people. And I, and I normally take them away from fitness. So mm. it might be, you know, if I have somebody coming in, examples like first day of work, like, are you doing something that a guy that's been there for five years is doing? Like, if you walk in on day one, what are you doing? Yeah. Most likely you're filling out paperwork. You know, you're sitting at a computer, you can't figure out how to turn on. You're looking, at, you're looking around like, all right, is somebody going to help me? You know, what are they going to do? I don't really know what I'm doing. The people are coming around. Maybe somebody gives you a one sentence, you know, one liner like, hey, yeah, just do this. And they walk away. I go, day one, scary, mm. scary. And it's, and very little actually happens. And then day two comes and you realize like, I don't have to fill out the paperwork now, but I still can't figure out how to turn on this computer. Yeah. And then somebody walks over and they realize like, oh, they're done with the paperwork. Well, here, get your computer on. And they actually sit with you for maybe a minute. You turn the computer on, you're like, yeah. And then they walk away and you realize like, what do I do on the computer? And every day goes by. And what you realize is all you got was one little thing each day, but now you're at six months and you're like, all right, I turn my computer on. I can go through all the software. I can do everything I have to do. Hmm. I'm just not very efficient. Like, I don't know how to move through it as quickly as so-and-so does. It's been here for five years. So what do you do? You go and you talk to them. You go to the person who's been there for five, 10 years and you say, how are you so good at what you do? Hmm. And then they give you their secrets. Now, the problem is it might take them two hours to do something and it took you eight and then they give you a little bit of tips and it takes you six now. And you're like, mm. dang, like, yeah, I cut off two hours, but they can do it in two and I can do it in six and you become more efficient and more efficient. And then you realize that maybe you're not them, but you're on your way to becoming who you are in what you do. Mm. And I think that when it comes to fitness in all aspects, whether it's nutrition or whatever we want right now. Yeah. We don't want to know how to turn on the computer. We don't want to know. We don't want to fill out the paperwork. We literally want to be able to finish the job. Like, what do I have to do to right. get me to that end thing? Whereas you have to fill out the paperwork. Yeah. You have to know how to turn on the computer. You've got to sit back sometimes and just wait for somebody to be able to help you or ask for it. And you have to go and seek it. You can't just have somebody sit over your shoulder and put you there. You have to ask the right questions. Mm. And I think if you're going to be good at your job, if you're going to be good at anything in life, you have to be willing to, to do that stuff or it's going to take a long time or it's never going to happen. Mm. You know, that's how, that's how you get fired. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, I mean, and then you got to find, but that's where you also have to find the thing that works. So it might not be CrossFit. It might not be something else, but it's an evolution. It may be that, you do something, but you want to see that there's growth happening. Yeah, right. You, you know, so, and that's the hardest part. I think a lot of people just do, and they really don't measure and calculate and really, really track progress to see because you forget where you came from, right. no matter where you are. Forget the hardships. You forget what you came from. So one thing I always tell people is you have to look backwards a lot. Yeah. Like you, you might be looking at that next step up the hill and the mountain looks so high, but look back how far you climbed. Mm. Like, yeah, you got a long way to go, but that 
you've come so far. And if you stop right now, you're only going to slide down. And when you decide to come back, you have to get back to that point. Yeah. Don't, don't try to have to climb back up the mountain to take that next step. Cause it'll look even more daunting. Yeah. Like, you know, so if you stay the course and it's small steps, man, small, small. Steps. Yeah. And that's so hard for us to grasp, you know, especially our generation. Like we just, you're right. We want it right now. Fast food on demand. Here we go. I want it right now. And, uh, it is, there it is. It's, it's a lot more about the process. Yeah. I mean, so, you, you literally can't go into day one of anything and expect magic. Right. Exactly. Huh. Well, what does Malcolm Gladwell say? Right. Like he talks about the, the rule of mastery is that you have to do something 10,000 hours before you actually have um, emerged as a master of that thing. That's a long yeah. time. 10,000 hours of anything, you know, I'm a communicator. Well, I, I like to speak for a living or communicate for a living and, and preach and teach. And I don't know how many hours I've put in, but I don't know if I've reached that 10,000 hours yet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm continuing to get better. I'm continuing to evolve. I'm continuing to, and I think there's a, a level at which when you have that mindset where you're saying, okay, I've not arrived. I don't, I know I never will arrive. Um, there's this, there's this continual progress that I need to make. I think this is our relationship with Jesus. Like you don't ever get to a place in your relationship with Jesus where you've arrived. You continually become more and more like Christ, continual progress. But I think that's how we are as people as well. And when you do that, there is a level of, um, of staying in the fight that is necessary mm -hmm. for walking through anything in life, walking through trial, walking through high seasons of mountaintops, you got to stay in the fight. And as long as you can stay in the fight, you can get up the next day, then there's hope. There's hope for a future. There's hope for a, you know, I hate to sound like a Hallmark card, but for a brighter <laughs> tomorrow, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's, there's a, there's a level at which you're going, okay, I'm not settling for where I am right now. I'm going to continue to get better and better at what I do and the person that I'm becoming. And I think CrossFit has just kind of put in, injected another level of that in me. You know, it's like, yeah. hey, I can, I can become a different person, you know, even physically. I've never seen my body do this before. I've never seen my body look like this before. Man, I can, I'm, I'm evolving. I'm continuing to progress. Yeah. That's so, really cool. And um, there's some research that I've done on the, the idea of even PTSD, like yeah. post-traumatic post stress syndrome or disorder. And, and it... Um, it talks a lot about these like HIIT HIT workouts, these high intensity interval workouts being a very, um, a very appropriate and um, even, even great tool to overcome PTSD because it puts you in that space again of like being able to control the controllables. Um, yes. And so if you're not into HIT workouts, but you're into running, they actually say running, training for a marathon is a good way to do that as well. Uh, yoga, believe it or not, not, not necessarily Ramwad, but yoga, right? <laughs> Actual yoga. <laughs> Actual yeah. yoga. Sorry. That was a little <laughs> CrossFit inside joke. Ramwad. Yeah. Ramwad's like yoga for CrossFitters. For the, yeah. For the, for the 20 minute or lesser. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, but actual yoga that those things, those three different types of exercises contribute to mental health better than oh, any gosh, other exercises. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're like, well, CrossFit's not my thing, try something else. Try running, you know, try yoga because it kind of brings you into this space of uh, a peace of mind where you're, yeah. where you're, you're able to kind of recalibrate, you know, the emotional state of, of where you're at. So, um, yeah, I would say try everything. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, we don't always get to try every job out, you know, you gotta hope that you 
know yourself well enough to pursue something. But when it comes to eating, health, fitness, wellness, you get right. to make the choice. Yep. Yep. That's it. That's so good. All right, man. So what's next for you? What are you on the, what's looking on the horizon? What are you excited about? Oh man. Well, I'm excited about regionals. Here we go. I got, you know, a couple of weeks. So, uh, next week and a half will be training hard. Then I'll start tapering, compete, and then obviously reflect. Um, I don't and know. then I mean, hopefully I mean, ramp I, up for Madison. And, and then hopefully ramp up for Madison. <laughs> uh, long term, though, I'm just excited for, you know, the trajectory of life, like where yeah. I'm going, like, uh, you know, moving in my faith, you know, con- constantly, because obviously I have ups and downs right. and just moving in the right direction and constantly having dialogue um, and, you know, trying to impact as many people. Um, and especially impacting my, my girls, yeah. you know, helping them really trying to help them figure out what it is that, that they want to yeah. do or where, where their, where their passions are, where they're interested in. And, um, that's kind of been my focus a lot over the last few weeks, especially with summer coming is, um, where, do I, where do I want them to get new exposure? Mm. So that's cool. That's cool. Well, man, I love your intentionality. I love how you're leading your family, even though you know, you'd admit, Hey, I'm not perfect, but I'm just trying to be intentional no. with all of this. And, yes. um, I love being able to hang out with you and Chelsea when we get a chance to, hopefully in a couple of weeks, we'll be able to, it will be fun. Be oh, a lot of fun. Sure. But thanks again for, for hanging with us. Where can, where can people follow you if they want to find out more about you, if they want to follow what's going on? Yeah, uh, you can go to, uh, on Instagram, it's Nikki Rankar, uh, N-I-C-K-U-R-A-N-K-A-R. And then Facebook, I think just Nikki Rankar, there's an athlete page and a I don't think you can be my friend on the regular pages. You only get like 5,000 or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, then there's Twitter. I don't use a ton necessarily, but CrossFit 061.com, uh, one of our gyms, and CrossFit574.com uh, is the other gym. Um, my wife's chasing Chelsea on Instagram. She pretty much does everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, health and wellness related. Right. Uh, so you can shoot up, shoot any questions or anything to me there. And yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, man, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Good to chat with you. Uh, Hey, thanks for having me, man. Awesome. Man, what a great interview with Nick. It was. I feel like anytime I hear someone talk about CrossFit, it's just super inspiring to know like, hey, uh, like what he was saying about his wife, right? Like she just got inspired and has totally like changed her lifestyle. She wasn't even into fitness. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like me. Um, (laughs) I'm not sure if I agree with the approach that he had where he's like, hey, if you lose 20 pounds, I'll date you. Right. (laughs) I don't know if that was kind of weird, but it's fine. (laughs) It worked for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not a um, a whole lot of tax there. The other part, uh, I mean, this is small, but just in the beginning, Nick was saying that he originally got interested or intrigued to do CrossFit by watching um, the CrossFit documentary, um, which is what you did to me. That's exactly right. I'm like, Emily, watch this. Yeah. I was really actually trying to get your husband into it because I think he'd be an incredible CrossFit. Okay. Here's what we've decided. Okay. Um, Once we are debt free, which should be at the end of this calendar year, we're going to do CrossFit Um, together. Maybe so. we should do a separate drop down menu on the giving page for like Kent and Emily debt free. <laughs> hey, uh, I think be. that would be completely unethical. So maybe it would we be, won't yeah. do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, uh, you have uh, recently released an ebook. Yeah. Uh, which we've talked about right. here a little bit already. Yep. But 
Uh, why don't you yeah. share a little bit about how well, that ties into this interview? Yeah, because we we didn't just want to have a podcast where we talked about like fitness, you know, although it was a really cool different angle to look at how do you process through pain and how do you process through disappointment. But one of the chapters in this ebook that I released called Thriving and Trial, uh, one of the pillars that I've seen as a common denominator for people who are emerging out of their trial, healing, um, I don't know if healing uh, quicker is probably the mm-hmm. the better phrase. Maybe it is because I, th- I think everybody's on their own timeline of healing, but I think there are ways that you can heal quicker. Um, and one of those things is fitness. Yeah. Uh, you know, I realized that for me, I was doing a lot of running before Amanda passed away. Uh, that's something she and I did together. Mm-hmm. And I needed to find something different. I needed to find a, a kind of a different routine, something I could do that, that I kind of could regain some of my personhood because that was something I shared with with Amanda. We right. ran together. And so every time I'd go out and run, it would kind of remind me of of her and what I was lacking, what I was missing. And so someone suggested CrossFit to me, and I was the same way. I was skeptical. I'm like seeing everybody drink the Kool-Aid mm-hmm. and the, this, the, this, this cult. And I just wasn't really interested until I actually did a CrossFit workout with a friend of mine. And I was like, man, this is like the – that's the most intense I have ever worked out before. Yeah. And – so I looked into it, started doing it. And what I started realizing is like I talked about in this podcast, I started being able to realize I could regain control mm-hmm. over some some things that I thought I was out of control so of. So powerful. And it is a very powerful way to heal. It's just a, and, and I think, again, we talk about in the physiological side of things, there's so many benefits to just fitness in general, mm-hmm. um, de-stressors within that. It is my de-stressor. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny, you know, that if I go two or three days without working out, everybody knows it. Yeah. I just care. I wear it because I'm so stressed out, but it's just a, it's a release valve. Yeah. I feel like for me, I can go into like a workout and have like a bunch of ideas just floating in my head. By the time I'm done, I feel like all of those ideas or thoughts are like stored into nice boxes. Compartmentalized. (laughs) It's so true. You're able to like process things because you disengage your mind a little bit. And so almost subconsciously your mind begins Mm -hmm. to process things while you're in that. (laughs) It kind of is. Yeah. And honestly, there is a lot of research surrounding workout, rest, and sleep and how those correlate together to um, create not just physical health, but emotional health as well. Yeah. And I think that we are we are a whole person, right? We're not just relational. We're not just you know, emotional or Mm -hmm. mental. We're not just, we have, we don't just have these compartments. We are whole people. And so we have to think about healing from a holistic standpoint. We can't just look at it emotionally. There's a really powerful book that I'm in the middle of reading called um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Mm. And the whole premise is, is you can't be spiritually healthy if you're not emotionally healthy. And I would argue that we're mind, soul, and body, right? Mm -hmm. And so you can't be, one without healthy unless your your whole personhood is becoming healthy. Right. Physicality is a very, very real aspect of that. So we just kind of, I kind of dialogue about that in that chapter in the Great. ebook. You can go to davyblackburn.com to download that ebook. Um, but that ebook's just been a companion to what we're going to release as the Nothing Is Wasted, the book. So cool. And uh, kind of a step-by-step guide on how to discover healing for yourself if you're walking through trial. So 
It's great. Yeah. Well, thanks for writing that. I think um, outside of this podcast, it's just another resource or a tool um, that we can use to to share with our friends who are going through pain right. and also just apply to our own lives as we as we face things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So thanks again, guys, for listening to the podcast. As always, we want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing the music. You can download all of his albums, all of his singles that he releases. You can download that anywhere music can be downloaded or streamed. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, all of those platforms. Make sure you check out his music. We love Ryan O'Neill, Sleeping at Last. Thanks a ton. And we love you guys, our Nothing is Wasted community. See you next time.